America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome everybody to our daily gun show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for about an hour. So uh, we've got a couple people joining us from across the country. We got Dano jumping in from Illinois. Thanks for joining. Yep, thanks. And Gary's jumping in from Kansas. Thanks for joining. Thanks for the invite. Always. And we've uh, got the people viewing out there as well. We simulcast this over on gunchannels.com. Consider this an effort in new media. So uh, anybody that's watching the show, feel part of the conversation and use the text chats out there. We've got links out to people on the gun channel side, and we'll see who all joins us tonight. And it is episode number 727. So we've been doing the show for a while, and we've got sub episode 727, which is an airplane. Anybody ever flown in a 727? Many times. I think we all have. Yeah, I think so. Any cool? Oh, you know what? We had a question over on Every Second Matters today, lately, recently, from uh, about airlines. So let's jump over to Every Second Matters real quick. Every Second Matters is an awareness campaign, and we've been doing it for five years. Somewhere along the line, Sean of Florida Carey suggested I make a website more useful or more more stuff on the website so we've built it up a little bit and if we look over there it's got a couple of features one of them is the main news feed and somebody asked a question out there i thought there it is harry asked hey i'm traveling over the holidays on delta so i guess this is a while ago not just the other day i just saw it the other day hey i'm traveling over the holidays on delta been a while since i checked a firearm any Anyone run into, I don't know what this is, something policy, I believe that stands for check and give protection to. Oh, that's what that policy is. It's more of a huge annoyance than what I would call an issue, but I'm having trouble seeing what safety issues it actually addresses. So uh, I don't know if that's more of a question or like a concern. What do you guys think is the concept of check and baggage and Hurting the airline or the firearm safe. Well, I mean, I mean, some aspects that are policies of these private, you know, of these companies, it literally change every year and sometimes change within the year. And then the fact that that the guidelines and regulations of the TSA also change and are modified on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult to keep up with it, which is why you should. Uh, do, do your due diligence in not only contacting the individual airline, which will have its own individual uh, peculiarities, uh, but also find out that particular airport as well as the airport you're going to, uh, what particular uh, restraints or particular particularities they may have. Because, you know, flying in, you know, leaving, as an example, to, from Chicago International Airport may be the same or maybe very different than flying into LaGuardia. I'm sure it varies from state to state too. Yep.
So is this a good time to talk about traveling with guns? On an airplane, I mean? What's today? I mean, hey. Demon day. So Thursday the 10th. No, it isn't. Well, well it's for you, maybe. It's Friday for me. Oh, no, it's Thursday for me. It's Wednesday for you guys. But uh, I guess we can break the rules and talk about that. It's been a while since we talked about flying with guns. Uh, let me go left, right real quick. Cycle just jumped in from Connecticut. You flown with guns before? All the time. Every time I go to Tulsa. Gary, you ever flown with guns? No, I haven't. Thought about it? Well, I haven't flown in almost 10 years. So last time I flew, I wasn't, I wasn't into guns. So I haven't had that opportunity yet. Not opposed to it, though. No, 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 no. I, if I was to go somewhere, I'd want to take my guns with me. At least, you know, something. Dano, flown with guns? Uh, I have not flown in a couple of decades. And you weren't into guns also back then? Uh, I was flying for, for work at the time, so it was not permissible when I was going to a naval installation. Oh, well, they probably had a problem with that. So, um, yeah, I've flown with them a couple of times as well. Uh, just, I would say, recreationally, nothing for work or anything. So, uh, I don't know. It's to do is I, my answer to them is sort of what you guys said. I think that uh, to, you know, it depends on the airport, I think. So we went to airports that were familiar with guns, and it wasn't any big deal. But I imagine going out east would have been a different story. In fact, when we went out to North Carolina, we didn't carry because we weren't sure what it was going to be like out there, so we just didn't. Um, is it worth, I guess, all that going through the security checks and blah, 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 or should they just let people carry on the plane? I think they should let people carry on the plane, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, do we expect people going to have gunfights on a plane that they all know they're going to die if they shoot a plane? <laughs> well, just like, just like we do today in our cars. You yeah. know, all those concealed carriers to carry in our cars. You know, we're out there shooting each other up all the time. We're on a bus, right? There's got to be some concealed carry people on a bus once in a while. I guess the difference is if you shoot a hole in the side of a bus, it doesn't bring the whole bus crashing down. But... Well, quite honestly, shooting a hole in the side of a plane doesn't bring it down unless you accidentally shoot the engine. Although, if you shoot a hole in the side of a submarine, you will bring it down. Now, hold on. You mean because when you shoot a hole inside the plane, it'll create such a vacuum that whoever the lightest person is going to get sucked up there, and then the plane will stay in the air, but that person will be sucked to the ceiling or whatever? Well, they'll plug the hole. Right. We've all seen enough physics. For oh, you know, those little babies, they're, like, perfect. <laughs> That's how you got to strap them down. Have them stick out their little finger. So, uh... I agree, though. I don't know. I if uh, was there a time when people could carry on planes? Was there uh, some time, probably terrorism or something, that stopped that, or was it just never a thing? Anybody know? No, I honestly don't know. I don't know either. No, me either. I'm sure before they had magnetometers and and pat downs and stuff, probably people did it, but. You know, yeah, maybe with prop planes and stuff. As, I mean, especially if you look at you know uh, 
with well, I forget what, what, when the year was where uh, police were allowed to carry outside their state as long as they had the uh, the card on them that said that they were active duty. Uh, and that may not be the right term, but current police, so they could carry not only outside their jurisdiction but outside their state. There's a national federal law that allows that. I don't know if a if a police officer can carry on a plane. Right. I, I'm I'm just saying it it was pro probably back then that things may have changed. Oh yeah. Oh well, you're talking about. Uh, I just was looking at it the other day. I got it over here on Minuteman. Um, you're talking about the law that said that retired law enforcement could carry wherever, basically. Nationwide. Retired and active police. Is it all active police can carry anywhere? It might be. I think so, actually. Yeah, but if you're not, if if you are an ex-cop but you did not retire, it does not apply to you. So it's retired and active only. But uh, anyway, that came around in like seventies or something. Actually, get here. But uh, it had to be sometime before then that they decided to stop letting people carry on a plane. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that it kind of it may have gotten slipped in when other big things like the 1968 Gun Control Act came through. That compared to that, that would have been a small thing compared to what, what other things that were going on. <clears throat> Did they have metal detectors and stuff in airports prior to 9-11? Because I don't remember seeing them. Yes. Airport, yeah. Remember the movie Airplane? And yeah, the... I, I took a, a, a 90 pound hydraulic valve as check on luggage from Chicago to Los Angeles in, in a box that I didn't have a, screw, a screwdriver to take it apart. And they x rayed it and they said, What is this? And I said, It's a hydraulic valve. valve. And they said, Well, like, well, well what, what does it go on? And I said, A nuclear submarine. And, and they said, Okay. And then they <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> I guess that was normal. <laughs> well, you weren't, unless we're going to club somebody with it, wasn't it dangerous? I think it might have been the Law oh, no. Officers Protection Act of 1986. Could that be? I suppose it's possible. I thought it was before that, but it could have been. I mean, because there were a lot of states that had interstate agreements where, you know, is, let's say if you were a, an officer in, in Arizona, that you could go to other towns and jurisdictions within Arizona uh, legally, you know, and, and, and carry, but maybe not outside of Arizona to, let's say, New Mexico, unless they had an interstate agreement between Arizona and New Mexico, but there was nothing nationally. Okay, so the 86 is Leosa. I think that is the one that allows two classes of person, the qualified law enforcement officer and the qualified retired or separated law enforcement officer to carry a concealed firearm in any jurisdiction in the United States, regardless of state laws, with certain exceptions. And I think that's where there's, I think it was interpreted one way or the other, and then they eventually changed their interpretation about taking on the airplanes themselves. Because I think it for a while they were like, "Oh yeah, if you're law enforcement, carry on the plane. Who cares? You're right. Badger, you got this Leosa thing." 
but uh, I think at some point they said, oh, no, we just want air marshals, right? We don't want a bunch of cops up there also. So I think they at some point had to check them, but... But they, they, they had severely defunded the air, air marshal program prior to 9-11. So all, although they said police could, couldn't take them on a plane, they didn't really fully fund that program. So it was counter counterproductive. Let's see, about halfway through all this mess on Wikipedia, it says, although LEOSA preempts state and local laws, there are two notable exceptions, state laws that permit private persons, blah, 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 thousand foot, blah, 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 as well as federal regulations prohibiting carriage of firearms onto airplanes. So I guess it doesn't apply because that's a federal law that prohibits firearms on airplanes. What would be interesting to know is if any of the victims of on the planes of 9-11, those three planes, were either a retired or active duty law enforcement. Or just any hijacked plane, right? Because there's more hijacked planes than just right. that. Because that could have severely changed the outcome of 9-11, which is one officer on board with a handgun. But since we're talking 727, episode 727, as we're talking about planes, um, I'm going to type into, we call it here, internet, uh, I can type and talk at the same time. How many planes are hijacked? So I'm going to go left to right, and if I can find a list here. I know it used to be a lot and, and as compared to what it is today. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there's quite a bit actually in here, but come on. Tell me there's not a list somewhere. Because that used to be a regular thing from okay. third world countries. I'll have to go with this. So since I can figure out what the date range is... Hopefully you guys aren't cheating. Nope. Would have been between 1968 and 1972. How many airplanes were hijacked between 1968 and 1972? That's just because I got an article here that tells me. Uh, cycle cam. I don't know, 15 or 20? 15, 20. Gary? 88. Uh, Dano? I'll go with 10. So you're undercutting cycle cam. The yes. number 130 American airplanes were hijacked. Wow. Wow. More than one hijacking on the same day. Wow. Hijackers or skyjackers wanted flights to communist Cuba or millions of dollars in ransom or just an outlet for the rage. I'm guessing that might have been about the time that all that started happening. Huh? A lot of those hijackings, as I remember it from the TV, was let's say an American airliner goes down to a third world city, uh, delivers his passengers, and then goes from third world city to another third world country, and that's usually where the hijackings would begin. Yeah, they would not initiate in the United States. What well, did happen though? I can remember back in the late '60s that there were news stories every once in a while about airplanes that were hijacked going to Cuba. Oh yeah. Okay, so I just counted all of them in the 2000s. So we'll go back through the other way. Dano, how many in all of the 2000s worldwide? Um, now that you blew me out of the water, it's like nine to have no confidence in my, in my answer. <laughs> Nobody would. I'm catching anybody off guard. I'm just playing with the show. I'll go uh, 120. Wow. Uh, Gizzard. Five. 
10 years, 10 years. So uh, five, and Dano said some hundred something. Cycle? 10. Mm, I think cycle, because it was 17 worldwide. 17. So, so we really cut down on them. When oh, yeah. I said there used to be a lot, and now there's significantly less, yeah. at least give now, me partial credit. 2010s aren't quite over, but there's only eight. So yeah, you're definitely getting 100% credit there. It's definitely cut down. And that's because they make you take your shoes off and stuff, right? So now the rest doesn't happen. Uh, as well as things like the, the Radan and Tebi, uh, the way the Israelis deal with, with hostages, you know, the way the world treats airplane uh, you know, hostage shakings over has changed significantly since the 60s. And they've gotten much better at it. Look at this. So we're in here talking about airplanes. I put a big picture of an airplane on the cover or whatever. Who do you think shows up? Bob? D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. So uh, OG gun channels out there. If you want to jump in? Have a link on the gun channel side, but uh, good to see you out there. We've had a couple of people. Ballistic was in the other day. We see Bob out there. He's old G, OG, GC. And then, uh, who the hell else was here the other day? And been around for a while. Stone Guy. So, um, Stone Guy. Yeah, I forgot what chat that was. Some chat I did on gun websites, I think. All right, so what was I going to ask about the airplanes? Any other airplane stories? Airplane topics? Um, they change the laws. They give our gun channels permits so we can carry wherever we want. What gun are you carrying on the plane? Just my everyday carry. You're not changing it up for an airplane? No. Oh, come on. So It's a 9mm. It's that late, you know, little chance of hurting anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you suck up to the host a little more? One of them little pillows you get on an airplane in front of them, and boom, like nothing happens to them. No, that's yeah. a silencer. Effectively a bulletproof. That's for the snoring guy next to me. Uh, G-Webs, you know he's like feeding you candy with that answer. Hey, it's true. It's an effective round for inside an airplane. I never thought about it. So, Gary, what are you, what are you carrying for your airplane? I'm going to carry my little Glock 42 because those seats are so tiny you don't have room for a big gun on your hip. Dano? Uh, I, I, I think something reasonable like a Glock 18. Here you go. Reasonable. I'm going to say something cooler like some little H&K MP5K. A little tiny H&K 9mm some sort of prefragmented glaciers in there that they made for planes. Yeah, but I got barrel rise like crazy. Yeah, but three round burst and a little suppressed little mini sub gun. Because figure somebody's causing ruckus on a plane, you need to take it out. People. I can cut the plane in half in one magazine. No, control bursts or whatever. No, with my Glock 18, the, the the muzzle will rise to the point where it goes from level to right over my head. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Unless you're putting it in some kind of a stock. I mean, they make little stocks for it and stuff. Or you can get little bird grips. You know, it's full auto. If you've got a permit to carry on a plane, they want carry full auto. They can put a little bird grip on it. Uh, let's see. So, Guy is saying, oh, who's saying this? Seven is saying, 
what other awesome lever guns in 357 should I consider? Oh, he's looking for brands of 357. Top brands chat. of lever action in 357. I keep getting on the top chat over there, so I don't know if I'm missing stuff. Yeah, he's looking. He's looking at Henry, but he, I think he's wanting to know what else is out there besides Henry. Like Uberti and Winchester. Mm, Winchester doesn't make a 357, do they? I don't think so. What's the one the good guy with the gun bought? Uh, he bought something from South America also, so whatever. Yeah. Rossi. So who, 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 the, uh, there's the other guy that make the, uh, not New Birdie, the other one. Uh, shit. I think I own one, actually. Wait a minute. Rossi? Yeah, I mean, you could always get a Henry. Well, Henry's made in, what, New Hampshire or New Jersey? Taylor? Makes a Taylor... Taylor and Company makes a takedown, eighteen ninety two for twelve hundred dollars. Wow! Henry makes a big boy. Cimarron makes a lever action for a thousand dollars. Navy Arms looks like they make a Winchester looking thing. Yeah. Cimarron is overseas. I forget who, what country, but it's not USA. Italy, I believe. Italia. Um, Chiapa makes a uh, 357, a 16 inch. That looks Winchestery. Chestery. Well, side gate. That top eject. So uh, I don't know. There's definitely your Marlin people who don't like. R Rossi makes a fairly inexpensive one. That's the one I was trying to think of. Well, when I when I think of the difference between the, the the Winchester and the Marlin, I think of primarily the stock difference. Oh no, it's the injection and being able to put a scope. Right. Well, I just mean from the outside, looking at the outside end, because one has that quasi pistol holding on portion, the other one doesn't. Yeah, how it kind of almost makes a pistol grip to their shot stock shape. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. There's a bunch of stuff to think about. I don't know about Chiapa. Chiapa makes decent stuff. I think yeah. Chiapa over South America. I've had hit or miss with South America stuff. Sometimes it's decent. Sometimes it ain't. So I guess if you're going to go to a gun shop, a local shop, and fiddle with it, you know, and you're satisfied with it. Um, 357s, though. I know with 22s it's an issue, but those South American ones kept putting that stupid safety on the back of the where the hammer goes. And yeah. I can't. I can't stand that. So they, they have a modified Hillary hole. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, let's, you know what? Browning didn't know what he wanted, so why don't we put a little stupid safety here? Yeah. So uh, I don't know if 357s have that. I think they do that as a kid's thing. Yeah. Instead of doing what Smith did, they just put it in a different spot. Smith and Wesson, that is. All right, well, we're not getting much feedback on that. So... Yeah, was, I'm not even looking today. Henry's Henry's are quite a bit heavier, so like it'll physically weigh more, but of course that's because it's stronger and it's got more metal in there. Uh, Dano, you listened to the Kevin thing? So we had Kevin Dixie on uh, the Gun Websites channel there for two hours. It was pretty awesome. And uh, Kevin blew me away at the Gun Rights Policy Conference, so... Uh, he had challenged the people that were there to be at a soapbox to give them the mic. 
and let them go. And that's what we tried to do over there. And uh, I'm not sure how it went. I guess there was some issues with the mic or something or with the uh, thing cutting out every once in a while. So I don't know if people left because of that or if there was some kind of issue with the feed. But um, anyway, how did it go as the audience side? Was it worth watching? Was it effective for Kevin? Uh, I, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, got the, the message, so to speak, but I was interested, you know, in, in his presentation and so forth. I think, um, it, the discussion itself went well. The only issue is the technical aspect, which won't know until you, it regurgitates itself and determines what parts of the audio it saved and what part it didn't. Yeah. Good point. Well, hopefully it wasn't too distracting, but I encourage people to check it out. I think uh, Kevin's doing what needs to be done. He's doing stuff in real life uh, in communities you're familiar with. And then um, I was telling him, you know, it's not like he's unique. There's all kinds of people doing that, but he's taking it a step further and sharing that and then being willing to share the tips and tricks and uh, all the stuff we're interested uh, in sharing and encouraging people and making it known how to do this stuff because it's not that difficult. And the uh, reason I'm bringing it up is to encourage people to go watch or listen to that. It's uh, two hours, totally worth it. Um, Kevin often gets just a moment or two, like on a panel or whatever, and this is an opportunity for him to really elaborate on his uh, story and the evolution of his projects, which are freaking worthy. They're awesome. And it uh, turns out he's doing that that project on Memorial Day weekend in St. Louis area, where he's inviting a bunch of two-way media to show up and learn their craft, hone their craft, collaborate and uh, and work together. And I didn't know he was doing that. I'm so glad we ended up uh, ending on that. And I'm looking forward to uh, encouraging people to show up to that. I hope to get to it and then uh, see what happens with that. Because I think that's taken the AMCON thing that we had for the gun rights policy conference to the next level, a three-day event and getting people familiar with firearms and then instructing. That's just taking it above and beyond. It's awesome. So I don't know if you can pull that. I, hopefully that all came through clear because that was, I mean, I like his story here and this whole thing was, I found interesting and inspiring. But then that last part, like I say, out of nowhere, it blew my mind. I'm glad that he's doing something like that. Right. With the, the repeats, I think the audience is able to, to, to get it all together. It just it might be in pieces. And uh, also, uh, the location of that uh, is uh, just outside of Farmington. Uh, so it's southwest of St. Louis, uh, out in, in the sticks, so to speak. And because uh, it's at, at the same location that I was at. And actually, if you want to see what I look like, uh, unbeknownst to me, I was as I was fishing around during the interview, uh, my my class picture, which was a very class small class, was is an Evolve Rifle Two on his website. Picture of me, my classmates, and my instructor. So, if you want to know the man behind the mystery, check him. Check me out. <laughs> All right. So, um, you've been to the place. Uh, as far as hotels, uh, opportunities for like whatever they call the, what do they call that when you rent like a whole house, like Marco and them did in Chacho? 
Uh, right. Uh, it is literally in the sticks. You're going to want to, uh, if, if you want to rent a, a, either a, a house or a group of rooms, you're going to want to do it like, as an example, Farmington uh, or just outside one of those cities. You're not going to want to, there is no, nowhere to do it right at or near the farm. And then what kind of time are we talking? Half an hour away, an hour away, 10 minutes away? Uh, no, we, uh, I would say uh, just uh, 20 to 25 minutes. Oh, okay. So that's doable. So we can definitely find some place that's nearby, like say, get a block of rooms or a big place and make a thing of it. Right. Cool. And uh, and it is, you know, really a cool experience. You know, after the shoot, uh, you know, what, what the experience that I had was not necessarily planned. Uh, it just the way things kind of unfolded because it was the first time that. Uh, uh, Kevin had taught, you know, a class at that site and was trying, you know, different parts of the farm to try to hold the class. And uh, afterwards, they just so happened to be having a pig roast for the local community out there that had nothing to do with the training class. But we were invited to come over um, just and, and enjoy it with it as part of the community. And it was really a fantastic time, not only to get out there and to meet new people, but also, uh, you know, as you know, Kevin will take any opportunity, and I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, and I was looking forward to the possibility of it because I had met Kevin before I had ever gone and trained with him um, uh, to sit down and talk with them about, you know, things like race relations and gun rights and, you know, d d uh, issues, you know, in what we, we call the hood. I was uh, that, that I'm from the outside looking in, I don't truly. So I see it through that viewpoint. I don't see it through his viewpoint. So since I like to think I have a semi-open mind, I, it's, it's okay in that type of atmosphere, or at least you feel okay, asking those questions without having to worry about, well, how, do, how what if I don't phrase it right? Is he gonna take offense to it? You, know, you, don't, you don't have that pretense, as well as vice versa. It's, you know, because there was, a, 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 there was a, another a black gentleman that was in the class and there was a white girl. And, but we all got to ask questions of each other of, uh, you know, like they couldn't believe it that the first time I ever physically saw a black person, and, and I'm 57 years old, was, was at college and he was my roommate. Uh, that, 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 that literally, you know, uh, um, living in, in, in a, um, I'm really, as I'm getting off topic, but it has to do with Kevin Dixie and his thing, but, uh, that we're literally all coming from totally different situations. And the only thing that required us to have a human conversation was, uh, an open mind and, and the openness to reason and logic. And that's it. And the thing that brought you all together, of course. Right. So then, what, you went to college before you went to the Army? Excuse me? You went to college before you went to the Army? Yes. Oh, okay. So, um... Yeah, you went a couple of different directions there. Um, and I'm trying to read the chat, so I'm going to quit trying to do that. Um, Dano grew up outside of Chicago, correct? <clears throat> uh, right. I grew up in the lily white suburbs of Chicago, which is what uh, the Chicago Tribune referred to them as. And they absolutely were that. They weren't just like in passing lily white. No, they were starched white, lily white suburbs. 
I mean, the workmen, like if you had somebody come to your house to work on your furnace, it was some white guy. I mean, I mean, there were no or no exceptions that I ever knew growing up in this as a child of the 60s and as a, a young teenager and t older teenager of the 70s. Well, there were no exceptions. Pretty much true of me, too. And I grew up in a rural area, but uh, I never actually personally met any black people till I went to college. Mm hmm. And, I, and, and for today's younger people, that's just like, well, how is that possible? That's not possible. And it was because whether it was intentional or unintentional, this country has been very um, segregated on purpose or otherwise for a long, long time. Yeah, those were neighborhoods. I don't know if that was like somebody intentionally. There was no fences or nothing. Well, well, well no, no, but but the, it, it is, and this is a slightly separate su subject, but, uh, you know, uh, there is... Uh, a, a preference for uh, preference for, for uh, well, how's how's in group preference? Excuse me, is the, is the uh, phrase I'm looking for, and that is a natural thing. And whether it was you know your neighborhood or your town, oh, the only difference was the scale. Well, and it's all life experience. I I knew people of all different colors and stuff. I don't know. Since I was a kid, scout, so I don't know. School, I don't know. I didn't have the same experience, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but it was also, you know, things were changing as time went forward. You know, it didn't just change overnight from like it is today uh, to what it was like back, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s. You know, it was a series of, of slow change. In some areas, changed faster than others even though they may have only been five miles apart. But when, you know, when you're a young person, five miles is your world. Well, I don't know. That's what happens when we have a free form show. It goes, it gets up in directions. Uh, I think we had sort of left off with what gun we're going to carry on the plane or whatever. Why don't we point the plane in a direction? We've been doing that as a theme lately. So this time, we got this 727 daily gun show plane. We'll, uh, I guess, downgrade it to a 727. And does anybody offhand know what kind of range we got on a 727? I thought they were always regional planes rather than coastal planes. No, I think you can go most of the way across the country on a 27. A 7 is a mid-sized narrow-body three-engine jet aircraft by Boeing. Early 1960s to 1984, it can carry 149 to 189 passengers. It can fly 2,700 nautical miles. It's 5,000. Yeah, there you go. Right, because it's 3,000 miles from coast to coast. Nautical so miles? You can go, so you can go up and down the good coast, or you can go from the bad coast to the good coast. I'm going to go real to miles, right, so we don't have to go to... Yeah. And, and yeah, I have no idea what a nautical mile is to an actual land mile. <laughs> a nautical mile is longer. No, it's the other way around. So. Oh, it is? I thought a nautical mile was like 1.18 regular miles. Yeah, it is. You're right. So whatever so it is. So a nautical mile is longer. <laughs> so a nautical mile is, or whatever it is, it's 3,000 miles. So airport yeah. down real fancy. They got their own miles. But in real life, it's 3,000 miles. So, yeah, that's basically the country, right? So we can refuel because we don't have to worry about money. Right. But, so that gives us 3,000 miles range. 
where are we taking this plane? It's like 3,000 miles from the last person we pick up, right? So we'll refuel. How far, is it like, how far is it from like California to Hawaii? That's it's not no 3,000 miles. I don't know what it is. That's why I post the question. Yeah, got to be like 1,200 maybe. Okay. If that. So, so that's doable because I think that in combination with a U.S. base like the Pacific Northwest, I think would be an excellent place. It's reaching. It's 2,500 miles to Hawaii. So, Really? Oh, my God. I didn't think it was that far. So I don't know. We might have to strategically place the Gun Channel's aircraft carrier out there. I don't know if you can land an aircraft carrier or a 727, but give it a shot. No, we just used, oh, yeah, you can't use a refueling plane on a 727. Oh, well. All right, so. See, now, if they let you bring gas on board, you could just bring your own gas and refuel while you're driving. So I don't think you got enough runway on an aircraft carrier to land a 727. What we'll do is yeah. we'll run the aircraft carrier so it gets going really fast, and then we land on it when it's calling ass. See, got to think physics. So uh, we can easily retrofit. We don't need no 189 people on there, so we need a lot of guns. But you know, what I mean, well, we could put extra gas on there and get to Hawaii. It sounds like. So uh, Dano's got Hawaii uh, cycle. You've been all kinds of places. Three thousand mile range. Where are we going? Boy, where would I go? What are we gonna do? I might, I might go to Alaska. That sounds like we got something to do in Alaska. Yeah, that that's a pretty cool well, state. I've never been there. But but the Pacific Northwest, you don't freeze to death. And I'm a little sensitive to the cold, being that I'm in a northern state right now. It's freezing. Well, I was freeze. gonna say most people don't freeze to death in Alaska either. I, I don't hear a lot of news about that. No, we go up there, grab a bunch of gold nuggets, wrestle some grizzly bears, eat a caribou or whatever. Be a good time. All kinds of places to go shooting. And, and that's true, but that's also why most of the Alaskan population is within like 100, 200 miles of the coast. Well, that's fine, but we've got an airplane, so we go up there and ex go on expeditions from whatever the... You know, yeah, and that's pretty much where you're going to land. Let's face it, they're not going to put the airport out in the boonies. Yeah, is it Fairbanks that that is that is the one town that is out in the boonies? No, uh, hmm. Arrow is out in the middle of nowhere. I always get confused in Alaska the the, the semi large town that actually is a long ways from the coast. Well, there's only Juno and Fairbanks and anything else. Juno. All right, so then Gary, where are we going? Well, I haven't been to Hawaii or Alaska either one. They both sound good, but uh, not real sure. You know, if we've got a plane, we need to leave the country, definitely. Because we got Hawaii for the wintertime and Alaska for the summertime. I guess there's always, you know, Puerto Rico or something like that. I don't know. Eh. <laughs> At least that's going. No, we got, uh, what the hell's his name? Jamaica? Oh, okay. yeah. At Albert? With an A. Haven't been there either. Let's go. No, nah, I go to the Caribbean every year. I'm not doing that. On a, if I if I had a, a cool plane and I could take it anywhere I want to go, I wouldn't go anywhere else down that way. Just because it's you go there already, or because there's yeah, because I do it. You know, I mean, I've been down to the. I, I'm doing the. 
I, I don't remember what they call it, but I'm doing the the farther South Caribbean this year in March. You know, normally I do the Saints. You know, Saint Thomas, Saint Thomas, Saint Martin. You know that kind of stuff. I've never been to Bermuda. How many? How much time you spend down there each year? Oh, six, seven days. Oh, okay. I usually, you know, cruise around down there, go to different places. Aruba, Jamaica. But this so time you it's like it's fly, like fly to Miami and then go out from there. Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, Miami or uh, uh, Port Canaveral. So this time I think we're going from. No, no, I think we're still flying down to Florida because I'm picking up the plane here right right next door. You can go from up here. You can also go from Jersey, Boston, or uh, New York. But then you waste a lot of time just cruising down the coast. Yeah. So I'm taking the plane on a different type of adventure. We're going to Al Gore it and just drive it around so we can pick people up and use it as a party plane that seems like a pretty big plane to party around on because there's not that many people on gun channels so we'll probably pick up some extras once we've got a plane to fart around on but that way we could you know if we've got an event we want to go to use it to round everybody up and then uh use it as the hotel because i would imagine it's something like vegas we just stay on the whatever wherever they park the airplanes right and then uh use it as a apartment hotel room There's a hotel not far from the airport there in Vegas. Well, the, well, the hotel, the, if you go to Laughlin, <laughs> most of the hotels are not far from there. Yeah, they're all right next to the airport. In Vegas, the airport's right next to everything. That's one of the coolest parts about going to Vegas. How would I do my phone here? It used to be when they still had the bright light coming out of the Luxor. That was really cool to fly around and see that. Yeah, I think they turn it on at times now. Why'd they turn it off? They used to have it on 24, well, not 24 7. They had it on every night. I think it just cost a shit ton of money. Oh. I mean, it, it, just on that same theme, uh, that's something that I think is so cool that they ought to do more often than they do it. And that's when they uh, put up the two lights for the Twin Towers. Oh, well, it says on the thing that they opened in 92. It's been that long. And then they uh, turn it on with a dimmer. So it's designed to go on at dusk. I guess it does go on every night. Huh. I was thinking of the Twin Towers in New York and the lights they have on there. Oh, well, I'm sure they got them on all the time. I don't think they're regularly on. I yeah, mean, but I, even I if watched it. Uh... Just, you know. You know, twice a month on one night, you know, on two different days a month. Holy moly. So I just went over here to the Internet. <clears throat> At 42.3 billion candela, the Luxor Skybeam is the strongest beam of light in the world. Using curved mirrors to collect the light from 39 xenon lamps and focuses them on one intense narrow beam. On a clear night, it's visible 279 regular old non-nautical miles by aircraft uh, cruising at altitude over Los Angeles. So aren't, aren't they worried it's going to attract small planes like moths? <laughs> <laughs> as you well know. as I, I challenge that claim because regular old airplanes can't get 270 miles above the Earth without running out of oxygen. Not Earth. 
So they're no, no, they're they're talking they're talking distance to the horizon. They're not talking how high up they are. Thirty-nine lamps, seven thousand watts each, cost twelve hundred dollars a piece. At full power, the system costs how much to operate? Uh, cycle. How much per hour to run? How, that? how much did you say? How many watts was it? <clears throat> Thirty-nine lamps, seven thousand watts. So forty times seventy would be twenty-eight thousand watts, and it was about thirty-five cents a, a kilowatt hour. So thirty-five times twenty-five cents would be—I don't know—to to run for an hour would probably be around like forty or fifty bucks. Uh, Gary, what do you got? Much per hour? Oh, about seven thousand. Thousand dollars an hour. Yeah. No. Now we're talking to a guy that works at an electrical generation. Yeah, but we have nothing ability. to do with the billing. We just generate. Our yeah, own but but you understand the mathematics. Yeah, no, you got a, quite a range there. Fifty to what was it? How many thousand? Seven thousand. Fifty dollars to seven thousand. Well, why don't we go for five thousand? Five thousand. All right. So we got any guesses out there? Is anybody even paying attention? See, now you guys just uh, my phone crashed earlier today. And I'm restoring my phone while I'm talking to you guys. And now you just reminded me that I don't have a calculator app back on here again. <laughs> so uh, Good. You know, this is good. In other words, you use a fancier calculator than the uh, standard one that comes on. No, app. it didn't. When, when the phone reloaded itself and stuff, it didn't bring any of that shit back. It didn't remember what my setup was. I have to do it all myself. As we're... Uh, chatting here i'm getting a bunch of texts from one of the guys that started gun websites back in the day with us and he was sending us a bunch sending me a bunch of pictures of his new zealand trip so i think we'd have to jump to hawaii and then over but uh yeah that was something that he lucked into his friend got divorced after they had bought the tickets so he got to go along for nothing pretty nice oh, so, geez. Uh, so oh, the answer. That is the one place that I had a chance to go when I was younger. I had a chance to do a two-week motorcycle tour, and I was too much of a workaholic and didn't think I could take the time off, and I've kicked myself ever since. Everybody when you look at the scenery, whether you like the movie or not, of like the Harry Potters, that's where all the scenery comes from. Harry Potters? You mean Hobbit? Harry Potters like England, old England and shit. Well, Harry Potters all over the place. It's Ireland and England, yeah. But uh, I think you mean the Hobbit, right? The big. Or maybe the, I'm thinking of like the one with Sauron or. Lord of yeah, the, the Hobbit. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, okay. Lord of the Rings. That's it. So we've got some answers finally. Seven Wonders is saying twenty seven hundred dollars an hour. Uh, Woods is is cheating with prices, right? Dollar rule. Ozzy is saying twelve hundred, and Dead Horse said thirty five. So the answer, according to the internet, which is always right. $51 an hour to operate. Oh, was that close or what? Oh, man. Psycho That's because I just multiplied it out. Without having a calculator. So with Yeah, well, I, I mean, I had to round it because I rounded, I rounded 39 to 40, and I figured, you know, 40 times 7 was 28,000, 28, uh, 28, 280,000 kilowatt hours, and then it's about 35 cents a kilowatt hour. So, I was figuring in the cost of the hotel, too, though. Oh, 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 oh. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that explains it. You have to have the hotel to have the light. Yeah, you want fries with that? So no, the, I'll, I'll take a pair of legs with that. 
So the, the yeah. thing's been, the beam has been operated reliably since it's first enabled in October of 1993. Just kind of neat. I don't remember if I was there for that, but I certainly remember it being cool as hell when it happened. Now, you say enabled like it's a Stargate. Yeah, well, it's the largest beam of light in the world. They like, turned it on. They, they get the enabled. <laughs> they got the largest beam of light in the world. They get some recognition. It's 50 yeah. Below the building, serviced by a staff of two. What? The room is about 50 feet below the top of the building. Okay. Serviced by a staff of two workers during the day. The room's temperature is 300 degrees while the lights are operating. Uh, only half the, okay, since 2008, only half the lamps are lit at the cost of energy uh, saving money. So they have the, since 2008, they only put half the lights on. Just it's because it's home. the brightest star on the face of the earth doesn't mean it's. It's like the most amazing thing. When I think of like not that far away is this crazy thing called Hoover Dam, which is freaking amazing. Oh, come on. You're not giving any give them credit for having the largest beam of light just shining into the sky for no fucking reason other than it's, No, there's a reason. It's to make money. Yeah, exactly. And have you look, been it, it literally says out to the stars, look at me, look at me, look at me. Oh, it does. It's awesome. Was, spend your been, money here. Spend your you, money here. Have you been to Luxor, yes or no? Cycle camp? Oh, yeah. And uh, Gary? I've been in the casino. I never actually stayed there. That's fine. Dano? Well, you would say that question because you know the answer because I've never been to Vegas. Oh, keep track of where the hell everybody's been. And I'm glad to know that other people have been there now. Well, it's nice to know that you pay attention to anything that we actually discuss. Oh, come on. Hello, people? No. So uh, of the people that have been there, and I've only, I never stayed there either. I didn't think, I think it was too expensive to stay there. But, um, oh, you didn't ask if I stayed there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, did compared to the other casinos, did you enjoy or do you enjoy Luxor? Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Gary? I thought the inside of it was really cool because I was taking a look up above and how the elevators kind of ran sideways and, you know, at, weird angles and stuff like that and i was wondering just how how they designed all that stuff so you spend a lot of time just looking up seriously yeah and yeah. if you want to look at hot looking women uh the greeks and the egyptians really know how to drape a body all right so it is definitely my favorite thing in vegas it is awesome and like gary said you can just hang out looking at it, it costs nothing to go in there and hang out and experience it it is just an amazing building to be in and you can just go in there I don't think you can go up to the rooms. I've never been up there, so I'm guessing you can't just go up there. But you go in the middle, and you can get on rides and stuff in the middle. So it's everything Vegas is. It's got the gambling. It's uh, kind of medium fancy, right, as far as casinos go. So, you know, it's not like the cheapest thing on the Strip, so it's not like a bunch of yahoos and stuff in there. And it's not a bunch of kids, although it's kind of kid-friendly as well. And uh, there's nice dress people. I don't know about eating there. I've never ate there. But the casino is freaking neat. I really agree. The, the Egyptian theme is awesome. And uh, everything. It's just a, it's, the chips are cool. The, the tables look cool. They just, they, they did it well. Then you go into the middle of the whole thing, which is all open. It's, I don't know how to explain it. It's a pyramid. And then the, the rooms are up the walls of the pyramid. The middle is just a giant open pyramid shape, right? And in the middle, there's all these rides, and they're freaking wild. Like, it's the kind of rides you go in, and there's like 20 people sitting in these chairs, and it shakes you all around. You go up and down with the movie, or, 
you know, it makes you get vertigo and stuff. They're like interactive rides or whatever those things are called. And from what I remember, it was like five or ten bucks to do all that stuff. It wasn't very expensive. So uh, I've gone there multiple times with kids and older people and friends, you know, just people my own age to have fun. And, and I just think it's everything Vegas all wrapped up into a cool-ass pyramid with the largest light in the world sticking out the roof for no reason. Now, have you ever been up into the uh, stratosphere tower? No, never, because it costs money, right? Not if you're staying there, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, okay, no. I've only ever looked. I've been at the bottom and looked up at it. but and I Well, and if there's you, a restaurant up there, too, you can go up there and check the out the restaurant. You most awesome view of Vegas from up there. It is just breathtaking. So, apparently, somebody has stayed there. So, since it's not the most expensive but not the cheapest, what does what should one expect if you wanted a room at this place? Stratosphere or Luxor? I thought we were all talking about the same place, but apparently not. Well, Gary just talked about the Stratosphere, which is the needle, basically. Well, let's talk about the one with the light. Because it's clear off at the, at the end of the strip. And really, not too many people want to stay there because it's close to downtown, so... Yeah, so when you look at Vegas on a map, the Luxor is down at the south end of the Strip, they call it, and that's where the airport is. So at the end of the airport, there's this giant black pyramid with a light sticking out the roof. And then if you stood at the pyramid and looked north, you'd see the stratosphere, which is a big pyramid or a big needle-looking thing with a restaurant at the top. Yeah, it's basically the other end of the Strip, yeah. Yeah, and you can kind of, they, they anchor the two ends of the Strip with like physical buildings that are unique. So uh, I've never stayed in the pyramid. Did you say you stayed in there, Gary? No, no. I didn't. Not the pyramid. No, I stayed in the stratosphere. Have you stayed in the pyramid? What's the stratosphere run. It's medium, right? What's that? Stratosphere. It's like medium. It's not the cheapest, but it's certainly not the most expensive. No, it, it's on the it's on the lower end, but it's still nice. I mean, you're talking to a Motel 6 guy, so what does medium mean? Uh, if you get a package, I went through Priceline. I think it was around $100 a night. And that's staying up in that donut at the top of the thing? No. No, oh. you stay You stay in the... There's a tower off to the side, and then the... You know, there's rooms that go up so far, and then the tower goes way up above the hotel itself. So... There's, there's no hotel rooms up in the tower? No. There's a restaurant up there and stuff like that, but there's no rooms up there. So Ashley's saying in the YouTube side, what's the place that does the jousting? So if you're in Vegas and you're at the strip. It's Excalibur. Yeah, it's Excalibur. It's at the where we're talking the strip goes north and south. The airport's at the south end. That's where the pyramid is, the Luxor. And the big intersection is really, was it Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard? So Las Vegas Boulevard is the strip, and that's the where you see that Welcome to Vegas sign and, and that kind of stuff. So the pyramid is right on Las Vegas Boulevard, and then you get to that main intersection is the New York, New York, which looks like a little skyscraper of New York or sky scene. What's it called? Scene? MGM Grand's there, isn't it? Across the street. Yeah, mm -hmm. the MGM is on the other side, and that looks like a giant lion and then you've got the castle excalibur and then hell is the other one the other one's bland bail not bailey's have you guys actually seen jousting so yeah. in life or are you talking about it excalibur 
well, I'm talking about jousting where there's two guys on a horses who are dressed up in period armor who are running at each other. I've never been to Excalibur. I've been my I've never been there, but um, I've only done that kind of stuff at Renaissance fairs, and I don't know if they're the same or right, not. Right. Yeah, we've done that. There's a Renaissance place that's uh, right off of Interstate 90 uh, outside of Chicago that I don't know if they're still in business or not, but they had actual jousting um, uh, entertainment, you know, indoors. And it was uh, it was actually quite fascinating to see. And they were not like, you know, just trotting towards one another. They were going full speed. And on two different occasions, they, they, they broke the uh, lances. But they use blunted lances. Oh, oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. They don't I use mean, the real stuff. Is to repeat the performance, not to end it. Yeah. Well, yeah. some of them, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm no expert on this, but it's, some of them, they're actually competing, right? And they're really doing it. And then at the end of the season or this whatever, like there's right. they have some actual competition where the other ones are like dinner parties, or not dinner parties, but like dinner events, like a stage show. And it's like choreographed, like wrestling versus competitive wrestling. Right, and every and 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 in the uh, in Excalibur, when you do it in Excalibur, each section is is uh, roots for a different guy. So based on which section you set in, sit in, that's the that's the guy you root for. That sounds very similar to the Renaissance that I was at. There were four riders in four sections. We got the Black Knight. We we actually thought he was cooler than the yeah, guy. It was that, a black, you know. a red, a yellow, and I can't remember what the other color was. Yeah. But yeah, and um, there was some sort of uh, I want to say it was, I don't know if it was five percent off or what it was. There was some sort of for for the winning section, they actually got a prize. As, as a bonus for to, to help get the crowd into the actual competition of it. Yeah, they usually give you something like a, a, a like a mug or something. I mean, I have yeah. a I have an Excalibur uh, beer stein. Now this was literally like 1990, 1991 when I was yeah. there. So it was a long time ago. Oh yeah, 90s were a lot different. Vegas. That was an interesting Vegas. Now it's a totally different. No, I figured that's almost that's practically thirty years ago. It's kind of gone from. Well, it went into like amusement town, and now it's kind of coming out of that, but it hasn't fled from it. I don't know if that makes sense. There's How still, do you separate amusement from entertainment, or would you say they're the same thing? I mean, there was nothing but rides and kids everywhere. Vegas was weird for a few years there where it was like all men for kids, like that M&M factory and it was just kids everywhere. It was like oh, They were trying to make it the uh, a Walt Disney of gambling? Man, I really don't know because I, you know, when we were in a unique place here for a long time, we could just go up there for like 75 bucks so we could go up there on a whim on an airplane and spend some hours and come back and we were there a long time. We stayed there a long time if we went for a little while. So anyway, we both believe it or not, though, that's actually true. For for a short period of time, about fifteen years or so, Vegas tried to put together a more family friendly image. Yeah, and, and they, it, you know they tried to clean up the streets and stuff, yeah. and and it didn't work out so good. But you know they're back to to, to mean, where they used to be. But for quite a while, they were they 
you know, they went really easy on the really crude stuff, especially the outdoor displays. You know? Yeah, because how what what is it like? I, I again, I've never been there. Well, like a half hour outside of town is where the legal uh, brothels are. Something well, it's like a lot that? further than that. I have no idea. That's a different county, and that's county. Yeah, it's a different a different county. Counties out here are bigger than states back east, so it's different out here. But I don't even know. You have to go to like northern Nevada for that stuff. I think because don't they put like uh, pamphlets for that in in all the rooms? No, not at all. They have little stripper things that you're talking about. Like when you're walking down the street, they'll give you these little business card looking nice things with strippers on them. Uh huh. But uh, that's like stripper stuff, I think. I don't know. Escorts. Again, since I've never been and I've only heard stories, and, and I don't know what part, I probably have confused different people's stories with different things over the, over the years. Yeah, the movies get thrown in there. Who knows? But, um, Pink said it was 120 bucks for Luxor. That is, is at 20. I'm thinking he, I mean, that can't be $20 a night. There's no way. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't too many hotels in Vegas you can't get into for under 100 bucks a day if you get a package. And a lot of them are a lot cheaper. The thing is, but if, if you really you want a cheap one, you got to go a block off. You know, you got to you got to go a block or two off of the the main drag. If you buy the packages and you get the cheaper prices, oftentimes you get rooms that are opposite the strip and stuff like that, so you don't have yeah. a great view. I never look at nothing when I'm in the hotel anyway. Yeah. yeah, but if you're in a beautiful hotel, does it really matter if you're looking at the parking lot when your room? No, because you leave your room. You don't spend much time in your room, right? I mean, you're in the restaurants. You're in the either doing the gambling or at other you know things of entertainment. You're only in your room, you know, for short periods. I mean, yeah, just like Tulsa, really. I mean, you know, you're just you're there to eat, sleep, and shit, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. You can either walk the strip or there's public transport. You can get like a bus pass for like five bucks, right? All day on the. Buses up and down the strip. They stop it at practically every other place. Currently, if if one were to walk the strip from one end to the other, uh, at least the the, the main hotels, are, uh, how far would you say from beginning to end the walk would be in miles? It's not that far, I don't think. Well, all I know is I I went with my mom, and she was in a wheelchair at the time. And I pushed that wheelchair to all of these, uh, to all these different hotels and stuff. I ate like a pig and I lost 10 pounds. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, between the, the, the heat and the, uh, and the distance. And we, we were staying right across the street from Caesars. It's 4.2 miles. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, it's 4.2, but trying to figure out, I think they're talking the main strip. So Vegas is the main strip where the big hotels are. Oh, that's the Las Vegas Boulevard. It goes north and south. There's the old Vegas, the original Vegas, was it Street, Street Frontier Street, I guess? So, and east and west. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, uh, kind of north of the existing, of the big strip. And that's where that stratosphere, the needle, kind of divides the old strip is everything south of there and then there's a big gap on nothing there's like that pawn shop that's on tv it's like a couple of blocks of nothing just little warehouse doors and stuff and then the old it's a, it's a whole thing 
there's there's people that go to Vegas and will exclusively stay in the north part of Vegas. I don't even like the big part of Vegas. Yeah, Fremont Street. Fremont, thanks. That's where the Fremont Street experience is with all the lights and twinkly stuff and all that. Very nice. And you now can do both, a little bit better on the slots out there. Are both areas uh, pedestrian friendly as far as, you know, their sidewalks to walk from place to place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any more that are elevated to go over the top of the cross streets, too. It didn't used to be that way, but they've got ramps now. You can pretty much walk all the way. Well, and that's something that if you're going, I would dig in because there are places where there's like big gaps where there's no hotel and you can probably see something current that'll tell you where to bother walking and where to get on one of them shuttles or whatever. When to see something like that, the Fremont Street, like you're saying, that's worth seeing at night. You can see it. At yeah, night. it's better at night. Yeah. Yeah, I like I I we get bus passes when we get out there. You get like a seventy-two hour bus pass, and then you you can ride the buses or you can ride the tram that goes behind the hotels. The is only that, problem with the tram is is they they take it way in back of the hotels, so it's a bit of a hike if you're trying to get back to the main street after that. Well, but that's the whole thing about Vegas. Since we're talking Vegas, just having fun in Vegas is if you're walking around. So if you're there with people that want to go see the different casinos and stuff, they all got a different flavor and a different experience and different people are there. Um, and you got uh, the buffets, right? So that's what's cool about Vegas. You end up doing yeah. walking because you can eat shit out of the buffets. Well, right. my mom and I, we, we played a game where we, we rated the uh, – the uniforms that were on the girls that bring the drinks, you know, which ones were good that showed off everybody's body styles the best. And that was a good one. And my daughter plays a great game. She, she takes, you know, how all the guys are on the street passing out the cards with the, with the, uh, you know, the gals to give you the lap dances and all that stuff. She tries to collect one with each of her friends names on it and she brings them back and gives them to them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We've collected. It's hilarious. We've collected the cards. Like, there's so many of them. One time, I don't remember when we were younger, and it was this thing to do. Still, like, I think I had a stack that was like probably like three or four decks of regular cards. And I'm not even kidding. Like, all of those were different. Like, just everybody that was handing out cards had like six or eight different girls on them. It's crazy. And I don't. I, we didn't even bother looking at phone numbers. I'm sure the phone numbers had to be similar, but. I don't know if that's a thing so much anymore. But again, I haven't walked down the strip in forever. I don't even remember the last time I walked down the strip. Probably with my parents or something going to one of the buffets. And that would have been like on a Sunday morning, so it wasn't quite the same as busy night. Uh, we got Pink jumped in here. Um, from what I remember, though, you guys don't really go down and fart around on the strip too much. Do you? Um, I mean, we... We went to uh, go eat at a couple uh, of the uh, restaurants and stuff inside the hotels. Um, who the hell used to have... Somebody used to do a meet and greet for YouTube people, and Joe would go. I don't know. if I think that was years before you guys started going. But they would do it at like the, ho the bars out on the Strip. I always thought that was just super annoying. It was fine for people that were walking, I guess, but everybody that had to drive, 
like had to go trying to find a parking spot behind Treasure Island or whatever the hell it was. So for us, it was easier to just leave, drop, drop Joe off and then he'd go do the event and then pick him up. Yeah, that's where Uber is uh, helpful on that. Yeah, that kind of changed everything, I think, because taxis were a pain in the butt and expensive. And now you got that Uber. Seems like you guys just whip all around now. I don't even think yeah. about it. That, that, that's guys, how we uh, go back and forth to uh, Shotcha all the time. You guys do the steak and egg breakfast over at Barbary Coast? Barbary Coast? Yeah, Barbary Coast is a little hole in the wall. It's between... It's on the opposite side from Caesars, and it's, it's, it's before you get to the Flamingo. It's one of the side streets. And on one of the side streets, there's a little, there's a small, uh, there's a small casino called Barbary Coast, and they have a restaurant in the, a small restaurant in the back, and they used to do steak and eggs for like seven bucks. Really good, really good deal. I don't think it's called Barbary Coast anymore. Is what I am. To... Yeah, they rehabbed that whole area. Last time I was down there, it was all covered with scaffolding. So I'm, I'm not sure what they're called now. Like the Imperial Palace is now called the, the Cube or something like that now. It's some weird name. A Lynx, yeah. Oh, Link, thank you. And then, but that's where you're talking about, like that little, where the Margaritaville place was? South of that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah on the way down towards Margaritaville. Oh. I don't remember if it was before it or after it. No, I know exactly what you're talking about now, yeah. Yeah, but Have it was ever- a side street, and it was on the, it was on... It was uh, you didn't cross the street. It was on the same side you are, and you turned right and went down the uh, d- went down there and, and played. And their machines are usually pretty loose too. They were a lot of fun. You're talking like past that weird Italian restaurant that was in the middle of nowhere, like a little tiny Italian restaurant in the middle of all these high rises. Uh, you got me on that one. I think so. In fact, we were there one year, and they tore down that building. So we were talking about the same building. We got to stand basically, you know, like a quarter of a block away. They made a big thing about it all weekend or all week. Back then, Chacho used to go open and sometimes it would be like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So they tore it down like on a Tuesday or something. And uh, we were staying at a timeshare right down the street. So we just got up ass early and walked over there and watched them destroy a building with the bomb. Oh, you got to watch them demo the thing, huh? Cool. Super cool. And we were really close, like... I can't. Well, they have to do it like that, I guess. They couldn't really clear too much. So anyway, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, have you been to Bally's Buffet, Breakfast Buffet? I don't think so. It's way the hell back in Bally's, but it's one of those fancy ones. That's why I wondered if you'd been. It's like super fancy. Like I go with my parents. So like, oh no no no. We we only go to the real cheap ass places. We. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about cheap. I'm all about the value, baby. I mean, well, Denny's was... is right up, right up the road from uh, from the lake, so you can't go wrong. Denny's and McDonald's. Yeah, for four of the nights, extra nights that I'm there, I'm staying for like nineteen bucks a night. There you go. So we didn't have any other people from Vegas jump in, so I don't want to monopolize it too much. But yeah, Vegas is fun. We're talking about shot quite a bit now, but. Um... It is a fun town. You don't really have any opportunity unless you're just blowing stuff off to party in Vegas or anything, but um, it is a fun town to just go play in. So we were chatting, I guess, originally about what we're going to do in our airplane. Pink, where are we taking our 727? Uh, we're going to go uh, to the South Pacific. 
We're going to rent an island. PPR yeah, said idea. something very similar to that yesterday. See, I I had thrown a link in there earlier. I don't know if it's still there or not. About doing a, a World War II, uh, some of the various islands where they were major battles. I was just saying party all uh, week and uh, we can shoot the guns all week because it's a private island. Yeah, PBR wanted to do something similar, so visit all the historic battle sites. From oh, right there. Partying and shooting can be part of that as well. See, we can pick our own island. We can choose between any island we want to rent. Well, it's got to be big enough to land the plane on. <laughs> no, it's an aircraft carrier, remember? <laughs> Seven is Call the uh, Chapa. And we went to Easter Island. I don't think there's airplane airport on Easter Island, right? But uh, I think that's further than 3,000 miles. That's on the other side of the equator. So it might take a couple so of... So like uh, Peru or something? On the other side. It's out in the ocean. It's up north, I think, when you look at it. It always seems like it's real far south, but it's closer to uh, the humpy part of South America there. But, uh, yeah, I think it would take a while. But you'd have to boat over to it. I don't think you'd fly out to Easter Island. I don't know if it'd be any fun. Easter Island's interesting, but it's basically barren. Everybody lived there, you know, ate everything that was there, so it's just a big kind of, you know, desert island. Ironically enough, it was a completely forested uh, group of islands that they completely deforested. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a neat story. I've seen some neat stuff about Easter Island. So we well, can get I was this. close. It is, it is off the coast of Peru and Chile. We can get this one. We can do some, uh, like, paintball type games on the uh, mountains. Dude, Dano, where did you, did you post that thing about the girls that went to some island? Uh, maybe. You talking about something like that, Pink, where you just get dropped off with whatever survival kit? Yeah, with Bear grills. Oh yeah, we can do that too. All expenses. I'm not going there without tools. All expenses, all expenses paid to fly down to some beautiful island that we own, and then you're going to go out there with like a knife and some no. <laughs> well, see, we could. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys do. You, uh, have you guys heard of the game PUBG? No. Uh, yeah, we, we know Flippy. Yeah. Um, you know they fly. Uh, take a, you know, a plane over the island and drop like a hundred players into it. And all through the island, you have to pick up guns and equipment and everything else. And kill each other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that idea. No, I like that guy from Virgin. He's got an island someplace where he owns the whole island, right? And it's got some house on it, and that's it. So he just hangs out in his house, and he has the whole island to fart around. And occasionally he goes into outer space. <laughs> I think of the right guy. He doesn't go into space, does he? Uh, yeah, he's on Virgin Islands. Yeah, that's the guy. Okay. He's the British guy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yep. Didn't he go to the space station once Richard or something? Branson. Richard Branson is his name, isn't it? I didn't oh, know SpaceX. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're rambling on all kinds of subjects now. So it's been episode seven twenty-seven. What else do we got out here? We um, never ramble. 
Oh, we've been rambling, and I'm locked on pink. All right, so uh, chatted a bit, and like I say, uh, I think we had a pretty good chat with Kevin earlier. I think uh, Kevin's got some interesting uh, stuff to say, and he had a chance to elaborate on his story and how he evolved into the projects he's doing, which I consider to be super valid. And he's only got like 36 people on Patreon. That's kind of weak. So uh, I encourage you to check out his stuff. I'm going to grab his Patreon thing over here, throw it out there for anybody that's interested in being part of actual legit. Um, I, uh, I, I, I wish he would at least make available, uh, and I don't want to do it for him, uh, his um, PayPal uh, contacts, because then as a friend, you can get 100% of your money to support him rather than just a portion of it. And that's valid, and I don't know what it is either. I, I do. Oh, okay. But uh, the Patreon, in addition to just getting the funding to someone, it gives them a uh, participation on a platform that I consider to be a potential you know, uh, foundation for a lot of the stuff that people are doing. And uh, there's people out there that are putting a lot of money into projects, so making them aware by giving his uh, presence on that platform some action yeah. is useful. I, I think for smaller dollar amounts, it, it can very much be about branding and, and getting the message out. But if you're going to put more than just a couple of bucks down, you want it to go as far as you can. No, that's that's true. No, I don't disagree. I mean, it's all about getting the money and making it effective and paying for, for you know, process or infrastructure isn't necessary all the time. But, uh, but again, that uh, uh, participation in that kind of crowd thing is... Uh, is super valid. So if you're going to give somebody 60 bucks, giving them five bucks a month is, well, I don't know. That would be a subject for a whole other discussion. Hopefully Clover, I don't know, he's not listening tonight. We'll start doing Thursday shows again because uh, as much as I do the two-way workshops, people jump in and we talk two-way, but not very much workshops of stuff. And I fiend for that stuff. I like talking nuts and bolts and getting people you know, mm -hmm. aware of all the different ways and strategies of doing stuff because I like figuring out new people you know the strategies new strategies people are doing I, I'm I'm just very much interested in getting biggest bang for the buck where possible I hear you that's, that's true um so let's see today's Wednesday it's not free patch Friday but I do have a bunch of stuff going on over at the store I don't know I, I I'm in a weird spot I don't I'm not anywhere near getting to shot show so I don't want to lead people on but you know, I'll never get there if I don't put some uh, stuff on the store. So I did dig around and uh, found some of the Every Second Matter stuff from back in the day that Jimmy and Bob and I had been taking to gun shows. So I posted all that stuff up there as packages, obviously for an exaggerated price, try to get some funds up, and then uh, reposted some the Ranger Eyes, so the Gun Channel's Ranger Eyes. That's the end of them. There'll be no more of those. And then... Uh, I put up the Vegas deck of cards. So the deal there is the 25 bucks, 10 bucks of it goes towards uh, the dinner at Chacho. So even if I don't get to go, uh, whatever you throw into the Vegas deck of cards will end up feeding the guys who do show up, the guys and gals that show up for uh, whatever they meet up at Chacho. So uh, yeah, I appreciate anybody who wants to participate with uh, that, but I'm not here to milk everybody and uh, you know, the idea would be if a whole bunch of people threw a buck at me, it'd be great. I'd have 160000 bucks a month. 
So uh, a continued effort towards getting a couple of bucks from more people out there. Uh, but uh, anybody that wants to, there's some stuff on the store. All right, so um, nobody in here. Well, no, Gary's got a show coming up Friday. Anybody's got anything coming up tomorrow? Do I have to do a Yankee show tomorrow? I have a Yankee show tomorrow. I, I actually have a question for Gary. Um, I, I know you just started the show, but is there, um, do you do the, like like part gun news and then part gun stuff, or what's the, kind of like the setup of your show? Well, I mean, you know, it's a work in progress, but uh, this last week, what we did is the first hour or show, first hour or so, I had about three uh, Second Amendment topics, news stories that I picked out, and we discussed those and kind of went over them. Then we had we had a small giveaway right in the middle of it, and then the last few minutes was just pretty much uh, free discussion. So a little bit of everything. But I wanted to, yeah, I did want to have some some gun-related, you know, Second Amendment topics or news stories that we could discuss. So it wasn't just kind of a lobby. It was actually, you know, there was purpose to it. But there's fun time in it, too. Yeah, I, I like that idea where it's a, a little bit of everything. So somebody can catch it, and, and they're, they're, they're at least not totally out of touch with things that might be happening that might be important. Right, because I think we need to take a little bit of time to discuss news of the day and stuff like that. And I'm trying to pick things that not being discussed by everybody else. I mean, it's virtually impossible, but you could try, you know. Will the wall be done? <laughs> <laughs> when will government start working again? Thanks, Nice Strike. I don't talk about it. Uh, Ghost mentions it. I think other people do too, but if you put that little at sign on the stupid YouTube side, uh, then it highlights here. So if you, uh, when you're seeing the chat, like Night Strike put the little at sign in Daily Gun Show, and then it highlights for me there. So I might have missed that. But anyway, Night Strike was saying we need to do another website oriented Minuteman. I agree 100%. So whenever you've got time, man, uh, let me know and I'll make time. Otherwise, um, I'll be doing a workshop on Saturday, and I'll be sure to include you when I send out the invites by email. But if you see me on gun channels, jump in. But uh, I agree. It's time to do one of those. I know a couple of people have talked about having interest. I know Gary's running his. And wait, are you using Wix? No. WordPress. Uh, no, just Google Pages. <clears throat> I didn't see that coming. I wouldn't ask you publicly. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Oh. So yeah, nice strike. You know, we got a lot of work to do. So uh, yeah, well, that, oh, that hurts. I, I think I don't know if I'm gonna make it through tonight. Um, we'll definitely do that. Um, like I say, Saturday would be great. Otherwise, if you got a time to do it before then, uh, we'll make time because that's super critical. I didn't realize, but I knew that somebody was using Wix out there. And uh, there's definitely stuff to talk about with that. But I want to get into it at the end of the show. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And uh, go check out the conversation with Kevin. That's two hours I've done in a lot this whole year. And maybe even. And what channel was that on? Uh, the big channel. Okay, Gun Websites channel. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks.